Yes, welcome back to this live um, broadcast. Of course, I told you I am Halim Sanyu. Uh, most people call me SOG, yes, meaning servant of God. Yep, servant of God. And of course, we've been talking about uh, the uh, history of modern Europe from 1789, 1789 to 1981. And then after that, uh, uh, if time permits, we'll, we'll take it up from there till 2002. Well, let's uh, have a general survey of the uh, of the years between 1978 between 1789 and 1981. Well, during uh, the 18th century, uh, Europe had seen the rise had seen the rise of strong uh, despotic monarchs in some of the European uh, uh, some of the European states. Well, in Prussia, I uh, notably, yeah, Prussia notably, Frederick the Great uh, had developed uh, that administrative and military machine, which was a uh, which was to become the dominant system of uh, a Germany in the following century. Also in Russia, from the time of Peter the Great, uh, had likewise become a formidable military power and had humbled the power of Sweden. Well, back to Prussia, Russia and Austria had all benefited territori uh, territorially from the ruthless uh, petitions of Poland. Yet, just at the peak of their influence and power of all these monarchs, just uh, all the uh, just at the peak of the power of all these monarchs, were to find themselves humbled first by the armies of the French. The armies of the French Revolution, and then the, and then by Napoleon. Of course, we all know about the history of uh, Napoleon. If you don't, you can Google uh, Napoleon to check about his history. But uh, France alone, of the greater uh, despotic uh, monarchies, uh, had seriously declined uh, during the 18th uh, century. Not only uh, was the internal administration increasingly corrupt and inefficient. But external, uh, external defeat at the hands of Britain in India and Canada had lowered, had lowered uh, seriously her international prestige. Well, her support of the American colonists against Britain was the last effort of the ancient uh, uh, regime to regain some of its lost prestige. But this effort, as we shall see uh, during the course of this podcast, added enormously enormously uh, to the difficulties of France. Well, talking about the French Revolution in 1789, yeah, 1789 struck not uh, only at the foundation of the ancient regime, but also of the uh, other states of Europe. Well, great, uh, talk, when you talk about uh, other states of Europe, we're talking about both the great and the small uh, in 1792, we see the beginning of French efforts to spread uh, to spread the revolution abroad by military means, and likewise of the efforts of the greater uh, great power of uh, great power to crush uh, the revolution almost at its best at its birth. Well, from that time, the fate of Europe uh, was to decided by the outcome of this great struggle 
which after the fall of um of the directory in 1799 uh came to be dominated by the French side by the aims and uh personality of Napoleon well the French uh, control of Europe was which uh, resulted from the victories of Napoleon gave rise in part of in part to new forces of great importance for the 19th and the 20th centuries, which we'll be talking about later on uh, during the course of this uh, podcast. Well, the victories of the French led to the radical changes in the map of Europe. Yeah, moreover, the revolutionary uh, elements in the practice of Napoleon led to the uh, emergence of Europe of uh, new classes who were in constant who in constitute uh, who who were to constitute uh, a challenge to the privileged position of the old aristocracy of Europe. Well, however, the Napoleon the Napoleonic Empire over over overreached itself against Russia. Uh, I beg your pardon. Well. The Napoleonic Empire overreached itself against uh, Russia, uh, was unable to contend with the naval and the economic uh, power of Britain, and in Spain, uh, met a new type of national resistance, uh, which was to make uh, that country of key importance in the struggle against Napoleon. Well, these factors were alone were not, however, sufficient to defeat Napoleon, and new sources of national energy uh, had to be found in all the states of Europe. Uh, uh, The most uh, reactionary rulers were forced to call upon all classes to unite in the common struggle. Well, this sense of national unity and uh, common nationality, which was above class barriers, was to uh, remain a permanent factor in the history of Europe. Well, despite the efforts of uh, reactionary rulers and statesmen to turn back the tide as soon as Napoleon had been defeated. Well, the settlement of, uh, of the Congress of Vienna, yeah, that was in 1815, or thereabout, yes, 1815, uh, showed that the uh, statesmen who met there were more concerned with the principles of the balance of power uh, between groups of states or, or with the principles of royal right known as legitimacy. Yeah, the principle of royal right is known as um, legitimacy then, uh, then with either middle class uh, liberalism or nationalism. Now, for the next uh, 30 years, the Congress... The Congress's decision uh, were mostly maintained, and the dominating figure in this in the European uh, situation was the Austrian uh, Councillor, talking about Prince uh, uh, Metternich. His overriding influence, uh, which led to the vigorous oppression of uh, liberalism and nationalism in the German state and in Italy. Well, we'll go on a break, and we will be back shortly. Don't forget. We're still talking about uh, the general survey of Europe between the years 1789 to 1981. Don't touch the dial.
Yes, welcome back. Of course, during the 1815, uh, uh, the years 1815 to 1848, the forces of liberalism and nationalism were weak. And the rising in Italy in 1820 and in Italy and and Germany in 1830 to 1832, that was about two years, were easily suppressed. Now, yet underneath uh, there were strong currents of discontent and a few idealism based on the growing influence of the European middle class. Now, the favorable opportunity for the expression of this uh, discontent arose with the revolution of 1848 against Louis Felipe. Uh, once again, as in 1789, France was the inspiration of progress movement else, uh, uh, elsewhere in Vienna, uh, Budapest, Berlin, Naples, that's in, uh, uh, in Italy, and even in Britain, and uh, Chastis once again took heart. Now, however, all these movements were crushed by the end of 1849. Now, the reasons for their failure were numerous, of course, military, social, and political. Then the Austrian imperial forces had uh, remained almost intact and won the day, uh, won the day in Italy and the empire uh, the Empire Nicholas uh, sent Russian troops uh, into Hungary, while in Paris, uh, Vienna, and Berlin, the middle class found a new alliance with a pro- uh, proletariate uh, dis- uh, decidedly uncomfortable. Well, it was above all the specter of socialism and communism which threw the middle class and and peasantry of France into the authoritarian arms of. Uh, uh, Louis, uh, talking about Louis Napoleon, uh, Louis Napoleon uh, uh, Bonaparte. Well, however, the appearance of the revolutionary per, uh, a proletariat on the scene was hailed by Karl Marx and his uh, collaborator Frederick Engels as the really significant development. And from 1848, when the Communist Manifesto appeared, well, European uh, communism began to take on a more and more organized form until uh, the 20th century, uh, we have uh, we have seen it. We have seen its world shake its world shaking results uh, in the 20th century. Of course, we've seen its uh, the world shaking results of all that has happened. Well, the revolutions of 1848 were not entirely were not entire failures. They had to let uh, uh, let uh, they 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 led. Uh, to modification of some importance, uh, uh, talking about serfdom was ended in Hungary and even in Austrian Prussia, uh, the franchise was somewhat um, extended uh, to the next twenty years. But in the main, in, in the main uh, con- conception of nationalism, where the liberal foundation had received a heavy blow. Now, Louis Napoleon established the Second Empire. Uh, which was um, authoritarian and non-liberal in spirit, while uh, Bismarck, uh, by a process of war and diplomacy of, cons- of consumed skills, achieved the unification of Germany on Prussia's term. Now, only in Italy did the liberal monarchy unify the country. Now, the defeat of France by Prussia in 1870 led to the outbreak of the Paris Commune, when together with new forces, some of the old revolutionaries in 1848 gained uh, again emerged. 
Now the commune was finally crushed, and amid scenes of um, revenge and bloodshed such as a uh, such as Paris had never witnessed that before. The episode left a permanent mark on the political history of France uh, for a considerable section of the town. Proliterate disrupt, uh, disrupted and hated the new Republican constitution and its authors from the beginning and was, a, uh, was to constitute a basis for the latter growth in France and revolutionary socialism and communism. Thus, in many senses, the year 1870 was one of the most significant uh, in the history of modern Europe. Now, the years 1870 to 1914 uh, witnessed new and distinctive trend in national and international affairs. In Germany, uh, Bismarck completed the task of internal unification and at the same time fought a ruthless and only partially effective, only partially effective battle against socialism and the Catholic Church. Towards uh, the end of his time, the circumstances of the New World imperialism forced him to modify his purely European view of Germany's future. Now, Germany entered uh, decisively into the general scramble for territory, uh, both in Africa and the Far East. Now, need I remind you that these are just, uh, these are just off the top of my head and, um, well, there's room for correction if you feel there's any. And uh, we move on. You can always put me on, on, on call on 081 three two five nine six 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 well back to uh well, we talked about germany uh, decisively got into uh, the general scramble of territory uh and they started with both africa and the far east uh, with the advent of the case of william uh william second and bismarck uh, bismarck's uh, dismal in 1890 German foreign policy took on an even more forward character, supported by an ever-increasing emphasis on the need for naval power. Now, this policy led to the famous re uh, rapprochement of Britain, France, and Russia, who by 1907 or thereabout formed something in the nature of a united front against Germany. These developments were in part related to the complicated struggle for power in the Balkan penin uh, Peninsula, where the weakness of Turkey and the struggles of Serbian nationalism against, uh, against yeah, if my memory serves me right, Austria and Hungary uh, led on the Austrian ultimatum to Serbia in, in July 1914. In July 1914, well, the war between 1914 and 1918 really began in the uh, Balkan Peninsula, though it, uh, its deeper causes were worldwide. Well, the division of Africa among the great powers and extension of trading and colonial interest to the Far East is one of the most important developments of this period. Well, it was stimulated by important changes in Europe, in the field of science and economic organization. Now, the old-style family business had, had in all great states 
uh, given way during the 19th century to larger industrial units based on uh, based upon widely spread uh, a share, uh, shareholding capital. Now, from this developed even greater concentrations of capital and economic power in the form of uh, monopolies and international cartels, these concerns were compelled by their very nature to seek wider and wider markets for their products and more and more sources of essential raw materials. Now, it is almost impossible to distinguish between the competition among those concerned and the actual political competition between the states of their origin, indeed. Of their origin. Well, indeed, in many cases, they had direct state support. Yes, they had direct state support. This economic competition between the great states had um, intensified greatly by 1914 and the struggle for economic privilege was undoubtedly a factor contributing to the outbreak of the Great War. Now, over against this development of a new type of capitalism, there grew up powerful movements of the working class designed to protect the workers from ruthless exploitation by the seekers of profits. Mm -hmm. Now, in the case of socialism and communism, especially this movement uh, aimed at the replacement of a society based on private, based on private capitalism, mark that because we will talk more about private capitalism, by one of it, uh, uh, by one in which the state would be a sole owner of the means of production and exchange. Now, the influence of these uh, doctrines in, in European trade union uh, movement was, of course, very great. Now, after the Great War, uh, great war of 1914 to that uh, ended in 1918, and the defeat of Germany, the markers of the Treaty of Versatile, of, of uh, sorry, not Versatile, the Treaty of uh, Versailles, uh, attempted to settle the political and economic problems which arose from the collapse of the Austro-Hungarian and German empires. Now, it left many problems unsolved and made a number of arrangements which held great dangers of future complications. Now, on the other hand, many of the decisions were good. Mm -hmm. The most important of the establishment of the League of Nations, uh, uh, yeah, of the League of Nations in an effort to... Uh, in an effort to maintain permanent peace uh, between the nations. However, the period between 1919 and 1939 was one of the constant, constant economic world crisis, unemployment and poverty on a devastating scale afflicted on the major states. From the resulting unrest of the extreme movement of communism and fascism, where, where fascism were able to make considerable headway against the groups and parties of the middle of parliamentary ways. However, the greatest extension of power went to fascism, uh, for by 1939, the fascist states of Germany and Italy had succeeded in their aggressive aims, as had the Japanese uh, against China in the Far East. 
the Japanese against China. That was in the Far East. Now, in Spain, also, a form of fascism uh, had triumphed. A, a new and critical factor in the world situation after 1917 was existence was the existence of the first communist state in Russia, uh, from which the main inspiration of international communism since the First World War had been derived. The revolution of 1917 has had its sequel in the vast extension of commun uh, communist power in the states of Eastern Europe and in the, in the new uh, communist China. Now, well, the, 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 the whole period with which we are concerned, it's between uh, 1789 to, eight, to 1981. Don't forget, 1789 to 1981. And after that, if God and time permits, we'll go on from 1981 down to 2023, if you want. Now, I said the whole period of um, uh, with which we're concerned is between 1789 to 1981 and is characterized by a constant examination of philosophy of the ideas of freedom. Don't forget with the ideas of freedom. Between 1789 and 1981, uh, don't forget I told you the uh, it was characterized by a constant examination in philosophy of the ideas of freedom not just freedom, you also had liberty. We also had, of course, a free will. There's a great difference between freedom, liberty, free will, and even uh, determinism, and a whole lot more that uh, were the uh, major constant examination of philosophy. Now, these ideas uh, haunt the literature of the arts and of science. The political struggle between authoritarianism were of various brands and the anti-authoritarian produces uh, its great thinkers and writers. Christian doctrines especially are enlisted in the cause of social and political reform and the struggle against the tyranny. On the other hand, uh, attempts are made to separate Christianity and the state altogether. Uh, religion is to be one thing the state another. Again, the whole period who, uh, shows how difficult it has been both uh, to establish and maintain the forms of government which we term liberal and constitutional, in which government and monarchies are controlled by sovereign and popularly elected assemblies. Now, this was a great problem in France after, the 18, after 1875 and likewise in Italy and Germany in Russia, the belated attempt of the early years of uh, this century to establish a liberal parliamentary system were pathetic failures. Well, among uh, the great European states, Britain alone during the 19th and the 20th centuries had a steady development along the liberal democratic path. Now, the years between 1939 to 1945 witnessed the challenge of the Nazi tyranny to early, uh, to nearly every human uh, value laboriously built up since the uh, Renaissance. Now, the defeat of this tyranny was followed by the creation of the United Nations organizations. Don't forget, it used to be UNO, now UN talking about the United Nations organizations, now United Nations, 
whose value uh, whose valuable work took on over wider and wider scope in the years between 1945 to 1981 but over against the progressive and constructive work of the united nations organization they developed the dangerous intricacies of the cold war the political struggles between communism and its opponents which had its ramifications from uh, berlin to korea now with the appalling shadow of the nuclear bomb as its as uh, as its backcloth this struggle produced numerous points of uh, tension between the great powers it is symptomatic of human desire to lessen this conflict that great uh, that great interest has been shown in the possibility of soviet united states Soviet United States cooperation in the exploration of outer space which could well throw the situation on earth into a new and better perspective well <laughs> this worker of course cannot attempt final judgment on the great uh, great question to which they uh, to which I, I true uh, uh, earlier on but it is hoped that um, you all, uh, while being given basic uh, uh, factual information, uh, will be encouraged uh, to delve uh, deeper. Well, on today's edition of uh, the history of modern Europe between uh, 1789 to 1981, I hope we've been able to give you uh, definitely the uh, general survey of the years between a, uh, 1789 to 1981 don't well don't forget to join us uh, tomorrow tomorrow eve uh, tomorrow uh, when it's uh, about the same time between uh, when we'll bring a more intensified version uh, we'll be sta- uh, we'll, 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 we will continue tomorrow with the french revolution uh, the french revolution of 1789 uh well someone just asked where will this take us to well when we get there we will definitely know don't forget i'm halim salu from nigeria kogi state uh to precise yes yeah stay tuned and join us same time tomorrow morning on the podcast <laughs>